0: Welcome into another episode of Spread the Floor. I am your host Brian Gill, joined as always by the Ronnie Garretson to my Nick Van Exel, my co-host Tobin Hodges. How's it going, Tobin? I'm a little disappointed that I
1: don't get to be Nick Van Exel. But Bro, I'm shoving you down.
0: That's just this is the way it goes. It's <laughs> so, been too long since you've been on the court, and uh, that's fair. Don't come yeah. over to me. Don't don't challenge me when I'm. When you know how testy I get. Yeah, uh, that's on the Basketball fair. court. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Good. So we took a week off. We've never done that before, even though there's eight listeners, including your mom. Um, We're very dedicated to this show. Uh, But we we took a little breather because we all had, we had some life things going on. And also, I felt like last week there were just bad vibes and I just didn't want to deal with it. I agree. (laughs) That was was how it came down for me. I was like, there's so much more negativity right now than, than there has been up to this point, even though we're getting closer and closer to a return to basketball. And by the way, that's fine if you're feeling negative about it, if you don't think that the NBA should continue or should do the Orlando bubble thing or at all, or you're concerned about everything else that's going on in the world and murder hornets and sub-Saharan desert clouds and everything else that's going on. I totally get it, but it just felt like a bad vibe last week. So it was a very easy week for us just to say, let's just take a breather and and come Mm -hmm. back next week. Um, reloaded. Uh, Totally. So, so we have a ton to go over. I don't know how much of this is super substantive. Is that a word? Subst- substantive? I don't know. It feels right. It feels You're like a word. supposed to be the
1: word guy. I don't know those things. So.
0: <laughs> As I was saying it, I was like, that's a word, right? And No, I'm not, I'm not sure. Substantive, I think, is the <clears> word. Um, I don't want this to just be a list of everything that we know so far because it will be just an hour of of such things. But I do feel and like we have to be touch
1: on useless in an hour as well. Yeah. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> That's the truth, man. It's just it's ever changing. It's so quick the way that that uh, that everything is moving. That that may be. I mean, the story of twenty twenty is all the terrible things that are happening. But the the second the the kind of B story to twenty twenty may be. No one could keep up. That's what we're going to tell our kids in 20 years. Be like, I honestly don't remember 90% of the things that happened because there was so much and it changed. Today
1: it's halfway over. So (laughs) we're at least halfway through this stupid year. So
0: let's just just set this year on fire. What an absolute dumpster fire everything has been. Um, So, okay. So let's kind of reset where we're at. We're going to spend the first half of this episode at least, I I would say, talking about... uh, the notes coming out of what is what 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 Orla- what the Orlando bubble is going to look like for the NBA, players who are in, players who are out, players who have tested positive for COVID, just the setup for all of this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the back half of the episode, we're going to talk about Vince Carter, um, and we're going to try to keep Tobin from crying. And uh, we've got a couple other things we may go over if we have time for it. But But I feel like we do have to start out with just straight up, okay, here's the information, here's what we know about uh, the, the NBA bubble at Disney world. So, um, I have a list of like every transaction and, and note that has come out over the last couple of weeks. I don't want to go by it completely, just point by point, but we do have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot of, a lot of movement. It was almost like the, the saddest version of, of July 1st that we've ever had. Right. Like it's so oh yeah. normally, normally on this day, Tobin, you and I, uh, would have spent Yesterday evening, just super pumped up and ready for this to have happened to, for, for free agency for everything that was coming and staying up till four o'clock in the morning and sending each other texts about everything and and all that. And instead, I took a vacation <laughs> like I was gone on on June thirtieth because it didn't matter. And then we have like lots of notes about people like Justin Patton and Jordan Bell and such. <laughs> um, but that's where we're at at this point. Here's a few guys that we know are out uh, of of the NBA bubble. Um, for a couple for injury, but most for, uh, I'm opting out because of, uh, because of Corona or family situations or, or whatever, what have you, Avery Bradley's out, Trevor Ariza is out. Um, both of them had family situations. So does Willie Colley Stein of the Mavs. Wilson Chandler opted out. Uh, today, Tabas Filosha opted out. And then we have, uh, Davis Bertans, who I think of all of these names, he's the one that drew the, uh, the most attention. Um, because, you know, Avery Bradley, Trevor Reza, Willie Cauley-Stein, they could all point and say, hey, I, my, you know, my family, this is what's happening with my family. I've got to make sure that I'm here for my kids. And Davis Bertans was kind of like, eh, yeah, I just uh, don't really want to risk it because I'm about to get paid. So mm-hmm. <laughs> where do you stand on Davis Bertans at the moment?
1: I mean, I don't blame him in some respects, but also like it, it's I, – I kind of like – I I, I hate it, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Like, I get it because that dude is already injury prone. On top of the fact that his knees are, you know, basically jello at this point. So, (laughs) if he goes out there and has an ACL injury, he's out all of next year with a basically a a dead year with no money. So, (laughs) in a year where the money is, I mean, he's already kind of getting screwed in some ways because I'm sure that the salary cap is not going to go up at next year. Yeah, it's going to go down. I'm sure, and it's going to it's going to affect his 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 deal, so I think that this is probably the smartest thing he could have done in, in a weird way. I hate it, but I kind of get it at the same time.
0: yeah, I'm all for players i I try to walk a fine line with this kind of thing of like players gotta do what's best for them um because the team certainly aren't you know it's it's a business you got to do what's best for you. I do think there's a certain point at which. You are a part of a team and you're letting a team down if you're not gonna if you're just straight up not gonna show up. Vertaz is in a weird spot because he's never gotten paid before. He made yeah. seven million dollars this year. I mean, I'll sign up for seven million dollars in a year any any day. That'd be great. He actually made that last year, last year and this year. But he's one of the probably three best free agents on a very sad free agent market this summer. There's a great chance he's gonna get four for 80 million dollars or something like that some outrage he's for sure getting overpaid in the offseason i think it's
1: yeah fair to say. And, and i think in this time too like i i don't think that there's any any room to say to anybody really like you shouldn't you shouldn't sit this out. I think this is such an unknown weird thing and everybody's going to have different reasons for it. And obviously this is probably like, this doesn't really compare to like Trevor Ariza or like Willie Colley Stein who are doing this for their kids, you know, so it's a Mm -hmm. little little bit different, but I think I feel like every single person that says, I don't want to be there to play for whatever reason. I, I I this may be weird of me but I think you get a pass. Like I I just don't think that mm-hmm. we need to be cracking on people for not going to this weird situation because like if we're being honest with ourselves like too like this like I've said before on the air like I it just it worries me that we're going to have a catastrophic like Kevin Durant in the finals type injury with a star player, because this is just such a weird situation of, of them not being in basketball shape for a long stretch of time. And now they're going to have to go and cram, you know, at least eight games mm-hmm. in a, few, a couple of weeks, you know, real quick. And so I, I, I don't really want to fault yeah. anybody for sitting this out. Yeah. You know, I, I, just,
0: I, I tend to fall. I'm, I think I'm with you for the most part with this Bertans, maybe a little bit, you know, who, who, uh, who doesn't approve of this? Um, is
1: Evan Fournier, who who has taken some shots at uh, at, at Davos Berton's, in, in? I need you to like tell me. Did, did I miss something? Like, I why does no Fournier idea. care so much about Bertons? Like, are, are they no like country idea. rivals it, or something? It doesn't make any sense. Like, to me,
0: why? Why Evan Fournier is like the who's going to step forward and say, "No, I'm out." May, I don't know. Maybe there's weird international relations between France and and Latvia
1: or something. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> Latvia. <laughs> Yeah, like I just that doesn't make any sense to me. If they were like country rivals or something, I'd be like, right. Oh, he's just right. he's just calling him out because they, they just beat them in the Euro games or whatever. But no, like it just <laughs> that made zero sense to me why Fournier right. was like the right. guy that was yeah.
0: this will not yeah, stand. Like, I, I love <laughs> that he subtweeted him. If you don't know what we're talking about, Evan Fournier tweeted, this was on June twenty second, uh tweeted, seriously though, if you think it's okay to sit and watch your teammates play while you're perfectly healthy, it says a lot about you with a couple of shrug emojis. And Davis Bertans <laughs> responded and said, "If you don't care about the risk of playing in Orlando, then also next time tag me with your opinion about me, <laughs> which is pretty, just pretty baller." Um. Oh my gosh! And just I can't wait super, for Orlando to sign Davis Bertans everybody. next year. That would be, that now, would be fantastic. So <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm with you. I don't really. I'm not holding it against anybody. I, I am curious to see how that plays out not even necessarily in this restart, but like next season, if, if Davis Bertans re-signs with Washington, is there a little animosity between him and the rest of the guys or, or does nobody really care? And, and if he signs somewhere else, does that factor into the free agency decision for some of these? Teams? I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. I'm genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about how that plays. Cause I, we know how we know how our athletes are and and the well, nba i think especially has done such a fantastic job of being progressive and um being a you know sort of a safe place for expressing attitudes and concerns that would be that that would not be accepted i think in the nfl essentially or or certainly would, would not have been a few years ago and we you can you can there's a little bit more um, of an attitude of like, you know, everybody's going through something and these are, these are real struggles that people are having, et cetera, et cetera, that you get in the NBA that you don't necessarily get with some of these other places. But I do, we, we do know that, that sometimes athletes are are pretty, uh, the, the team comes first, or at least they want to believe that the team comes first. And so I, I do wonder if some of that, there's some math that goes into, whatever Davis Bertans gets in the offseason or what teams pursue him and stuff like that. If there aren't some teams that, that privately, I don't think they'll do it publicly, but that privately are like, I question that guy's commitment. I'm not going to do, I'm, we're not going to go after him.
1: We also have to remind well, ourselves yeah, that this totally, is the wizards totally. and they have zero chance. Like they, you know, and it, like and also mm-hmm. the thing that Davis for is probably waiting for is Bradley right. Bill to back out cuz once yeah. Bradley Bill backs out no one's going to care anymore about Bertans. and so cuz that that's he's wait, yeah I, you he, he know kind I think go, that might be coming cuz Bill forward, seems, seems to be like, setting the yeah. setting the stone for that but but it's just mm-hmm. like if this was if Bertans was on the bucks I think that I think I'd have a little bit more problem with it but like I guess this is just, this is so not like me. And my, this is like v- against my ba- values and beliefs. But part of me is like, they don't stand a chance to, to really make the play. Like, it may, may make the playoffs, but mm-hmm. like, you're talking right. about eight games and you're going to go on your own way. Like, mm-hmm. is it really worth risking your four for 80 di- totally. deal if, you know, you're only going to play eight totally more agree. games? Like, and so I kind of get is, it. Like, I just don't, I don't think a, I can this crack them for exact it.
0: exact situation is why we advocated so – not just us, but lots of people were advocating for the uh, – yeah, the World Cup style because this – I don't know the that World this happens if you do the World Cup yeah. style <laughs> thing because there's something for Washington to play for, number one. But re- really, the number one, Washington's not there if we're doing the World Cup thing because we've got 20 teams, and we Washington's not part of that at all. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm for sure – I'm with you. I'm giving him a pass, I'm but I am interested to see – does that? Um, what does that look like in the off season? Does that? Does that make up? Does that factor into decisions that get made um, in the off season? So, but we we can't answer that that yet. So we'll see. Bradley Beal. I did have that that he's somebody who who seems to be going to going back and forth every day on whether or not he wants to participate in this. Victor Oladipo also has stated that he's unsure if he's going to show up in Orlando too. Victor Oladipo at least is 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 coming off of injury. Um, Bradley Beal definitely seems more like. Yeah, why would I come and do this? This is uh, he's waiting and, for a trade. This is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm a bit torn on on that one as well. To be to be honest, I, I I I respect anyone who is nervous about stepping into this situation. It is a weird thing. It's something that nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. So I I'm sympathetic to that. Um, I also have a hard time sometimes with Bradley Beal because I I feel like Bradley Beal at times wants to be a superstar without. He wants the respect of a superstar without necessarily doing the things that earn you superstardom and and so there's lots of times where i I have a hard time with him and i'm just not sure where where I fall on this uh with him at this point um, yeah. again i want to be clear i'm I'm very sympathetic to i i'm nervous about this i don't i don't know about doing this whole thing i don't want to be a part whatever the you're, you're there's there's a everybody is responding to all that is happening in different ways. And I, t- so I totally respect and get that. I'm just seeing there's a, with Bradley Beal, there's been a lot of things that have come up where it's like, I'm not sure this guy totally is what he wants to be or claims to be or, or whatever. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not totally sold, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Um, there's been a few signings. I'm not going to go through every single one of yeah. them because there's a bunch of, of, uh, like, uh, two, two way contract guys and like end of roster players and stuff. Some of the big ones, just real fast. I, I loved that uh, Oklahoma City went ahead and and uh, converted Lou Dort's contract. They signed him to a multi year contract and and keep him. He's been he was starting games for them at the end of uh, at the end of the year before everything got shut down, and he was playing really really well for them. He was, I think I had him like somewhere in the late twenties on my draft board last year, and then he went undrafted. Just seemed very odd to me, and he really found a place for himself. So I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. Our Mavericks, they signed Trey Burke. We can welcome back Trey Burke to the fold uh, to replace Jalen Brunson. Are you excited about Trey Burke?
1: Yeah, I you know, I liked – he did a good job here, and I was a little bit bummed when he left. Yeah. Um, he You know, for what he was, he was fine. You know, but, I mean, he's sure. if he replaces Jalen Brunson, that's a pretty – I think it's a decent replacement. I mean, he's not going to be as good as Brunson necessarily, but mm-hmm. – you know, also Brunson has totally. not had the best My of years. My concern so. with the Mavs is that <laughs> you know, they're going I, into
0: the playoffs now with yeah, literally three big men on the roster with with KP with Maxi Kleba and and then Boban, yeah. and that that's uh, I'm not not sure how that will will play out. Um, so we're not good. that it really matters. The Mavs aren't making a run to the championship or anything like that this year, but you'd like to have a good showing in the playoffs, and I'm you know I'm a little I'm a little nervous about that. Speaking of the Mavs, our our buddy. Rowdy Ryan broke off, or Ryan from accounting, um, he signed a, a deal with uh, with Philly, so he'll be on the Sixers bench this season. Another former MAV, Justin Anderson, man, what a disappointment. He turned out to be. He uh, he signed a deal with Brooklyn because Brooklyn's players are dropping like flies, Tobin. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we'll go over the, the COVID tests in just a second here. Justin Anderson will probably be starting for Brooklyn when the season (laughs) resumes. It's just crazy. Just crazy. I wonder how much. Brooklyn is the. Brooklyn and Washington, especially, are are kind of the. I don't know how to put that. You look at what's happening with those two teams, and you wonder how much the NBA is like, man, maybe we should have done something weird. Maybe we should have gone with World Cup bracket style or, or draw style because there's not i mean we knew coming in there were not eight real playoff teams in the east there was more like six and they're trying so hard to create something there but the gosh the bottom of the of the the east bracket is just going to be an absolute dumpster fire with washington apparently not caring about trying to get in and and the brooklyn just just kind of decimated by all this i don't i don't know how that plays out i wish they could sub over and just be like hey you know what pelicans are in in the in the east and so are the grizzlies or the trailblazers i did
1: yeah and if if you weren't going to do the world yeah, cup thing totally. this would have been a perfect time to say we're taking the 16 best teams you know because the the, the nets are going to be sands katie and Kyrie already and then you throw in uh deandre jordan's probably yeah. not going to come and uh who was the denwood might not come Claxton's out um, yeah, yeah. C- clax uh Cla- i think Claxton <laughs> not Claxton. yeah Claxton's out, and then I don't some know other person. Lavert, I think it was yeah, Levert tested positive. They or, had a bunch know, of tests just, positive
0: at some point. So,
1: also it tells me that well, they probably you know were not doing what they're supposed to be doing before. Who, you know,
0: Dinwiddie likes to say things, so maybe maybe he's not the greatest source at this point for stuff. I, I don't know. Um, trying to crowdfund your next uh, contract in the midst of a pandemic, strangely did not go well. Um, but anyway, Dinwiddy Dinwiddie essentially said I was fine until I until they made me come back to New York and I tested I I got sick by having to come back to New York. So he blamed it on the environment <laughs> that that he is he is surrounded by and DeAndre Jordan kind of did the same thing. So I you know that's there's a lot of ugh, I don't know. I don't know what that means ultimately, but but yeah, I I mean I wonder if we are approaching an area in which silver just kind of makes an executive decision and says whatever we're these two teams are not even competing for the for a playoff spot the wizards and the Nets, so sure let's bring over the spurs and the blazers or, or somebody else let's see what happens uh over there i i don't know maybe that yeah. i'm sure the bucks are like no thank you we do not and you know we'd we don't want that at all thank you we'd love to just take a 4-0 <laughs> sweep and, yeah. and have some rest but uh but uh so i'm I'm sure there's pushback against that but, but man, yeah they're the nets are not going to look good the big maybe the biggest signing was jr smith uh, is going to take Avery Bradley's place in in L A. Um, he gets to reunite with uh, with LeBron, so um, good for him, I guess. I don't, and good for us because comedy that comes with J R. Yeah. Smith.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to have there's definitely going to be some moment in these next 10 games that <laughs> something happens before they just decide to cut. It's funny with JR. LeBron.
0: <laughs> I I don't want this to get into too deep into LeBron stuff, but it's it's you know, he it's an, to me this is fine. Like it is what it is. You just got there's it's not like there's a plethora of of available players out there that are going to come in and provide something. Um but it is funny how loyal he is to J.R. Smith and how that has bitten him in the butt multiple times over. So we'll see. We'll see how this one goes. Um, Joakim Noah was on with the Clippers at the end of the season before lockdown. He signed a deal to stay on with them. He's actually giving them some decent minutes, so I think that's a good one. And the Rockets picked up uh, Luke Richard Mute um, to take the spot of Tabos of Velocia, which... I think is a win. Um, I don't know, unless it was just, he still hadn't recovered from injury. I don't know why Bamute was, was out of the league. I, I I thought he was light years ahead of, of where Tablo Cephalosha was. Yeah. um, Over the last couple of seasons, but, but it is what it is. Um, dude, real fast. I feel like we do have to say, to talk about the guys that we know that have tested positive just because, uh, this, it's part of the story now. And then their teams have put it out there or they have put it out there or something. So, we know about uh, Nikola Jokic, Malcolm Brogdon, the entire Sacramento Kings roster pretty much, Buddy Heald, Jabari Parker, Alex Lynn, uh, and then Derek Jones Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan. And we know that there were three Pelicans who tested positive, but David Griffin has not released those names. He's been very protective of that, which is great. Fantastic play by him. Do you have any concern on this? I think we saw, what was it, like 16 names in the first round, 16 guys in the first round of of testing when they all came back to their teams and stuff that had tested positive. And then we've had a few more since then. Does that give you any, any real pause or, or concern or anything? I don't know exactly where you stand on all of this.
1: I think 16 is a lot lower than I would have guessed if you gave me like a betting number, uh, like 16 out of 20 teams, 22 teams is, is really, you know, not the worst, I guess, but, um, I think it's gonna. The, to me, the I'm not gonna be concerned until they can't. Like, what well, now that they're you know officially with their teams and supposedly doing r- certain practices. I'm not gonna be concerned until we start getting Orlando tests. When we get Orlando tests and we have people dropping, that'll be a little bit different story. I think that's gonna because like not only does that mean that what you're doing is not working, it also means that there's a chance that teams are gonna be depleted if we're not careful. So. You know, but I think right now it's just kind of like a let's get together, let's figure out who has it, and let's try to get you know try to get clear before you know July thirtieth, and then mm-hmm. let's go from there. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, dude, there's been so much. There's been a lot of talk of like we're seeing the numbers spike in Orange County, where where Disneyland, excuse me, Disney World is is located, and um, and then we get you know these numbers from uh, from across the the league. I'm the same with you. I thought sixteen was a pretty. I understand the percentage is a little higher than we really wanted. They I think they tested three hundred two players, something like that. They got back sixteen positives, so it's a little higher than you want. But I, I don't know, sixteen is is a manageable number to me. Um, but in theory, my my whole thing has been from the from the get go. The NBA is spending like hundred and fifty million dollars to try to make this bubble thing work, and that I don't even think that that goes into day-to-day operations or anything like that i think that really translates to we're spending 150 million dollars just trying to make this the safest place that it can be and i've seen enough Mm -hmm. people within the nba i saw rick carlisle today had a big interview and he talked about it there's been others that have come across come up in over the last few days that have essentially said i mean in theory this is this is going to be the safest environment in in the united states for, for the way, what we're doing, the, the, the lengths to which we are going and the methods that we're using to ensure that this is, a, you know, a safe place. I, I, I can't imagine short of literally locking down your house, having no deliveries, having no contact with the outside world, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that you're going to find a safer environment than what they're in theory, at least what they're, they're providing, uh, at the Disney bubble.
1: Now, my question is going to be, is it, is it going to compromise the fact that MLS is now there and there before, you know, because in, in we, they've, there's been reports come out that they, you know, that the, the stuff that COVID's is not transferring on services as much as we originally thought it was, it's really just going to be more of an aromatic thing, which is great in the sense of, you don't have to worry about wiping everything down every five minutes, mm-hmm. but you have to wonder too, like what happens in a, in the transition between MLS to MLB, not MLB to um, MBA, uh, what, what could possibly be transferred than that? You know, it's just, it's like, I, I agree that this is probably the safest place that people can be, but I also wonder like, you know, before they get there, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I, I did see six, six players from MLS tested positive since they came to Orlando. Um, and there's yeah, all those kinds are all FC
1: Dallas players coming from the hotbed of Texas yeah, right now totally. too. So yeah. by the way, yeah. we live in
0: a dumpster fire right now. So you know that's part of it. Uh, pray for us. Um, yeah, yeah. No. It's, it's there's, there's all kinds of things that I think. I mean, just from the standpoint of, I uh, can't imagine that MLS is going through the same level of security that the NBA. They don't is. have the same amount of money. Yeah, so there's no exactly, way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that that's part of it. I mean look we we I think the NBA has done an incredible job of setting a standard of like expectation and of what this is going to look like and that this is difficult and it's weird and it's uncharted territory and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. They've done a fantastic job of of making I think of being very calm and rational in the midst of a period of life that is super not calm or rational for anybody mm-hmm. and just kind of kind of steer, you know just just trying to navigate and steer the ship of saying there's going to be guys that are going to test positive. That is going to happen. We're we're despite every single thing that we're doing to try to prevent it, it's very 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 likely that in Orlando somebody is going to is going to test positive. It's it's mm-hmm. just the way that it goes and and they did the same thing when they brought everybody back to their teams. They did a great job of getting out in front and saying on Sunday, you know, before p- players reported on the Tuesday of like, "Hey, there are going to be positive tests because this is a virus that while we still don't know a ton about it in a lot of ways, we do know that there are lots and lots of people that have asymptomatic cases and they're just, they don't know that they've got it and they've got it. And so what's going to happen? Um, so that when they did get those 16 tests back, you know, there were plenty of people who are freaking out about it, but I, but I felt like there were more, and I was a little surprised honestly, there were more in my feed on, you know, NBA Twitter that were kind of, sort of sending out those same kind of calming vibes of like, okay, we knew this was going to happen. We knew that this was not going to be perfect. So we're going to be able to, to navigate it. So short of like a huge outbreak on one team or a bunch of teams, then, um, in Orlando, then, then I still think we're, you know, we're headed in that direction. But, but I will say, um, you know, like on our Instagram, we're doing a countdown every day with a post of, of a player and the, you know, the corresponding Jersey to the number of days that are left, um, before the NBA starts. And I, every time I post it, I'm like, please, please, God, don't, don't, don't <laughs> screw this up, Florida, don't, don't Florida this, um, because it, you know, it's it's still gonna leave me with a little bit of of pause until we actually see NBA basketball. Um, I'm I'm trying very hard not to completely get my hopes up despite the fact that my hopes are very, very high already. So I don't know how much, what I could do to change that, you know?
1: Yeah. I think my, I think we're definitely going to have a start to the season. I think my bigger fear is what happens when they're all there Agreed. and things start going bad. Yeah. That That's going to be the more, mm-hmm. the more problematic mm-hmm. thing for me, I think. Sure. Sure. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to see, man. Let's talk just a
0: tiny little bit about, um, the, the experience, the NBA, MB- we talked, I think last time we did an episode about, um, the bubble, and the the way that they were going to set everything up at, at Disneyland. We've got a few more things on that. We've got the schedule. Opening night is July 30th, which is less than a month. That's 29 days from right now when we're recording this episode. We're going to have a doubleheader to start off the the, uh, the restart with the Jazz and the Pelicans and the Clippers and the Lakers. That is a banging start to the season, restart to the season. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. I'm excited to see those guys. I We... We maybe need to to uh, quarantine together uh, for that <laughs> <laughs> for that night, and then I think, dude, I think games start at eleven thirty our time the next day, something like that. Maybe one thirty. I can't remember exactly what it is, but the next day we will have games on in the mid afternoon at least, and they'll run through the through the day, through the course of the day, and that's what it's going to be like for the first couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and it's just I hope that it's it like i just really hope they broadcast everything cuz i want to watch it all at once so
0: what i heard was if i remember correctly and i didn't note this so maybe i'm wrong but i i think what they said was there's three courts and two of them will be televised every single day so you're going to have one court i guess that will only be excuse me local broadcast or and or um uh league pass broadcast i guess um mm-hmm. Be interesting to see if they extend the free league pass to those of us that have been using free league pass since this all went into lockdown. If they just say, "Yeah, what the heck? Just
1: just go for yeah. it." It's too please weeks. keep watching. Yeah. yeah, totally,
0: totally. So that'd be great. Um, yeah, if they do that, gonna have to get couple more tvs so we'll see how see how my (laughs) wife responds to that but i'm excited for that restart um the mavs first game i think is the closing game on national tv that that friday night so it's like 9 30 or something i'm pumped for that just it's gonna be like march madness man if we can get to this for the first couple weeks we're just gonna be march madness with nba we're just gonna have constant uh constant game action i can't i can't wait um, we did see that they are going to have some sort of black lives matter, um, logo or graphic on the court during the course of these games, which I think is, is fantastic and smart and is by the way, kudos to the players for pushing that. And some other things that we're going to talk about just here in a second of making sure that the plot, that they are using this opportunity to negotiate is a lot of, uh, league support for for social activism instead of just straight you can do what you want, which is what the league has done more traditionally, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see that on the court through the course of, of the season and the playoffs. And then uh, there's – I don't think this is finalized yet, but maybe you've seen differently. I But last I saw, they were negotiating the, the right or the opportunity for the players to replace their names on the back of their jerseys with – Anything else with uh, with Breonna Taylor, with George Floyd, with Black Lives Matter, with. Um any of the the social activism or community or organizations or or uh or associations or whatever that they want to put on their jersey have,
1: have you seen if that's been finalized yet i I've i don't missed- think it's been f- officially announced but basically nike was pushing for it and i think that's probably going to happen um i it's probably going to be kind of like what the epl is doing mm-hmm. if i had to guess uh my guess would be is that the the league is probably hoping that they'll do a unified one and not just let them do whatever they want. I, that's probably why it hasn't been sure. announced yet if I had to guess, but sure. who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, which I love. I, I just think I've said from, I may have said this on the air, but I, I think that's a, that's something that that they should use this opportunity to, to do uh, because they're going to have so many eyeballs right now um, that this is a real, a real chance to, uh, to have, to bring re- to f- to further awareness and keep uh, the, the you know the the protests that are happening and the reasons more even the reasons that those protests are happening to keep those on the forefront of uh, of everybody's mind and and not let that that fade away that you can still have basketball and sport and entertainment and distraction and all that sort of stuff without losing um, the value that 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 those those platforms and those positions give you. So I, 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 I hope that they'll just go all in. I, I don't know why you wouldn't just, I don't know, maybe this is too commercialized, but I I don't know why you wouldn't get, um, special jerseys and, and have Nike and just straight up say, Hey, every dollar that, that a profit that comes out of this from either on the NBA side or Nike side is going to uh, you know, support these organizations. Yeah, sell sell
1: new, sell these special jerseys for a profit. I mean, mm-hmm. like you could, you could even just do like the old, like the, I mean, easy like the all star jerseys with their with their logo and just do black and white mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Sure. Just,
0: it would be easy. Do something like that. I think that'd be a great a great way to keep awareness and then to and to raise some money for it. But it's got to be. I you, I understand that walks a fine line on on the commercialization side of things. So you got to be careful doing that that it doesn't come across as as exploitation or anything like that. But if it's, if it's clear and it's, it's genuine on, you know, we're going to raise a hundred million dollars and it's going to go all to uh, these causes and these, these is a, you know, these is associations and stuff, then I, I think it's a, that's a win-win. Also it may drive out some idiots. So that'd be great too. Cause I'm, <laughs> I just um, poor Donovan Mitchell, especially uh, has taken a lot of crap from, From jazz fans, there's been others. It's not just him, but but he's been for. I think on the forefront of taking just absolute garbage from idiot, racist jazz fans of with the whole, well, you can just you know I'm never coming back that kind of crap. Um, with with Black Lives Matter, so
1: good riddance, good, get them out, Yeah. yeah.
0: Bye, dummy. Um, let's let's be done with you. Um, so that's that's good. So look, we'll get more as you said in the outset. We're, gonna re- we're recording this episode on Wednesday night. Probably by the time we publish it, all of this will be irrelevant. We'll have a million other pieces of information that will make this episode stupid and worthless, but this is the, uh, this is the cross that we carry. Um, are, you, are you in the right headspace now? Are you, in a, are, are you in a good place to talk about Vince Carter? Are you okay? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right, let's do it. Um, so because the NBA is not bringing back every team, Uh, there's eight teams, the, the lost eight, the forgotten eight, the, I don't know, the frozen eight eliminated eight, something, somebody needs to come up with a cool hashtag for, for that, uh, are, are gone. And that includes the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and with that is Vince Carter. So Vince Carter's illustrious career, 22 seasons, I think 21 seasons. Yeah. 22, 22 seasons have, has come to an end. He is officially, Riding off into the sunset. I wish the NBA would have just said, just made a Vince Carter rule and said this dude can sign wherever he wants. Let's just, let's just let this happen. Um, yeah, let him go play
1: for the Bucks. Or let or, him have it. Like let him be traded past yeah. the deadline. You know, like yes. just.
0: Gosh, you know what's weird. I need to pull this up. This is maybe it was Haberstroh. No, it was it was it was Bobby Marks. Hold on, I'm trying to find this weird note. So the Wizards signed Jerry and Grant um, as their, as a substitute. Okay. For, for Davis Bertans. This is so weird because he signed a, a substitute contract. Orlando, who was his former team still retains his bird rights along with his free agent cap hold. Hmm. So why? I mean, if we're gonna do that, and I know things are weird, and that's fine. Like I have no problem with that. But if we're gonna do weird stuff like that for freaking Jerry and Grant, then let's just do it for Vince Carter. Let's. But yeah. who, what do I know? Maybe Vince Carter's like, no, thank
1: you. I'm done. I haven't played. I haven't. Maybe he's gained forty pounds since quarantine Well, and started. that's the other I thing too is that if he wanted to play for a title right now, he would have not signed with the Hawks mm-hmm. this past mm-hmm. off season. I. what we've said before that we just don't think that that was his concern i think that he was more like you've said before you think he was more concerned with getting in with the tnt people yeah um and and so because like if he if he was that worried about it he would have signed with the warriors or the bucks or somebody this offseason that would have been glad to give him a spot on their team i think that his it was more of a he just didn't want to be a bench bench warmer on a, mm-hmm. on a good team mm-hmm. so yeah i agree yeah uh,
0: he could have he could have made himself he he could have
1: forced his way somewhere else, even if he didn't sign. Especially him the at the trade deadline, like yeah, there exactly. was talk about exactly. that, and he just I just don't think he wanted to go.
0: Yeah, he's such an interesting player. So let, let's just talk about Vince Carter. Vince Carter is one of your favorite players. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm probably a little lower on him on the all time scale than than you are, but I but I love Vince too. Um, but I so I want to start with you. I'll just turn it over to you and let you talk about the phenomenon that was Vince Carter.
1: You know, and it's like we. We have were watching the 98 draft together, like not together because we didn't know each other, but <laughs> but I know that we were both watching them because that was the, the year that we ended up you know drafting Dirk, but there was so much like I mean I was hoping for Vince Carter. Like he went one pick before us and I was devastated. You know, now obviously that worked out in our favor um in a lot of ways because we landed Dirk. No but question. um I mean it's kind of weird because that draft went Rafe LaFrance at three, Anton Jameson at four, Vince Carter at five. And then Jamison and Carter ended up getting switched, you know, like tr- traded right after that day. All three of those players before the Mavs ended up drafting Dirk, ended up on the Mavs at some point mm-hmm. in their career yeah. too, which is crazy. But I mean, I just, we I said it before, I went on um our buddies on the, that's a Rap pod uh, talking about him as well. Like he just, he definitely did not sit well with me when he was forcing his way out of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know everything then, and I also don't, you know, you know, there was a lot more behind the scenes that we think we knew about then as well. But hey, I just think he's really reinvented himself, you know, yes. in the in the last half of his career for sure. And when he was here, he was just, he was a blast. He was <clears> fun <throat> to watch. He was good. He was giving us productive minutes, giving us good ba- baskets. And I just I've always liked watching him play. I think that he's been always been fun to play. Uh, they had a they had an NBA. Uh, it was like the, uh, the hit when he was in the Nets versus the Raptors from like 2000, I think it was 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day on NBA TV, and I was watching it with my my kid, and I, and uh, you know, I just it was just I just forgot how entertaining he was in his prime, mm-hmm. you know, because he just he was just so fun to watch, and he was just he just took over games. He was you know, and him and Jason Kidd on that team together were were pretty unstoppable for a while. Yeah. So just real fun player to ended up being a really cool dude like i mean i, I know that you weren't thrilled about him being on the Mavs at at, at first mm-hmm. when and, they and signed then, him i wasn't yeah yeah sure. and then and then you ended up kind of agreeing that okay this actually was a pretty great signing and we were both really bummed when he left yeah, too so yeah for sure yeah
0: yeah he, he um he definitely he led a very interesting career um th- that guy is one of the I would say probably five most exciting players that I've ever seen when he was in his at his peak. Like, and by exciting, I don't mean like I just saw highlights. I'm watching highlights of LeBron in the background right now. LeBron is like a different level of of exciting. There's a there's a special place in my heart, at least, and I think I think in a lot of people's of basketball fans' hearts for the guy who just seems like he was built in a lab somewhere for mm-hmm. just from freakish athleticism standpoint. And I, LeBron is, is absolutely that guy too. It's just, it's, it's a little bit of a different thing. I just, and that's just me. Maybe that's
1: just me. Maybe that's just I me. think LeBron is power and Vince is just finesse. Like, Vin, like yeah, there is power sure, to, there sure. is power to the Vince Carter game, but like LeBron is just like, he's going to, you know, bull through the lane and just mm-hmm. destroy you. Whereas I think Vince was just more of a, like I don't want to say more pure basketball player, but this everything he did just seemed fun and exciting and fluid. And it just I think right. that was a big difference. It so.
0: captured my imagination in a way that LeBron, that somebody like LeBron doesn't, because it just felt LeBron's accomplishments feel mythical. What Vince could do on the court or above the court, um, when he was in his prime, felt mythical. It was just a different. It's it, for me, it was like this. It's, it's Sean Kemp. It's it's Vince Carter. It's 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 honestly, it's Zion. It's what that dude is yeah. capable of doing. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing where you. It's not even that you're tuning in to watch him. Do these incredible basketball things that that will, you know, that will create a win. It's like when you're watching when you were watching Vince Carter in his prime, the same as when you're watching Sean Kemp in his prime. And I think the same as what you're getting with Zion. And there are other guys that fall into that category, but those are the ones that just jumped to mind. Um, you're watching to see him do something spectacular and something that maybe you've never even seen on a basketball court before in one second. You know, that you're watching for this one second glimpse of just absolute insanity and it was he was delivering that on almost a nightly basis his first few seasons it was an just an unreal thing to watch um what he was capable of doing athletically uh with with, with his dunks you know d- jumping over the dude the the Fr- frederick weiss in, in in the olympics and uh um <laughs> i mean good gracious the, the slam dunk contest i mean the uh Maybe the one that sticks out to me is that like kind of baseline three sixty that he had against the Pacers for whatever I can just mm-hmm. see that in my brain for probably for the rest of my life. Um, he just was this I don't know, man. He 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 felt like that dude felt like he could fly. Like you could you watched him and you're just like, This is this is alien. It's not possible to do what he is doing on the court in this with this one second burst of athleticism I don't know it's 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 a different kind of for me at least it's a different kind of awe and wonder than what I get from watching uh LeBron or or Dirk or or Giannis or 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 I mean Giannis is kind of similar in some ways or Luca or something like that like I love all these guys I'm not saying obviously I'm not saying Vince Carter is better than LeBron James it's just the 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 visual that you're getting when you're watching, just that excitement, if that makes sense. i I, I don't know. Um.
1: yeah, and you know the thing is too with him is that he was st- we don't talk enough about how he was still kind of doing those things well into his late 30s and and even just it it wasn't as much obviously but there was a there was a moment last year where he just like rose up in the lane and just Mm -hmm. murdered somebody and it's like this dude was 41 at the time and it's just like that's just I mean we saw Dirk playing in his late 30s and you know and he looked like he was about to just die you know (laughs) at times you know and and it's a different body type different person whatever I get Mm -hmm. it but Mm -hmm. you know like the fact that this dude is older than us and been playing for multiple years and still was more athletic and more in shape than than 19-year-olds in the league yeah. was was pretty insane. Yeah. I do want to talk about the the second phase of his career though because that's where my
0: I was fascinated by him his first few years in the league. I hated the way he went he left Toronto. I thought it was a really I don't know how I would feel about it now because attitudes have changed. Reporting has changed. We know more now than we did when that happened in Orlando because of social media and things like that. I just remember the thing that killed me when he left, when he forced his way out in Toronto was the, the infamous telling the opponents what play they were going to run at the end of the game. Just a really yeah. awful thing that you just, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of those, like Scott, you know, when we were talking about the last dance, those Scotty Pippen things where it's like, that's a thing you don't do that's just a that's a that's a thing that you just that is not even an unwritten rule that is just straight up that's being a bad team you don't do that um and I know there's way more that so i was kind of I was out on him for for a while um and then you see how his you know the the back half of his career progressed when he was in Orlando and phoenix and stuff um I love a player who is able to transition his game as he gets older and stick around in the league able to do things that cuz there are guys that don't there are plenty of guys who can't I just talked about Sean Kemp I mean part of Sean Kemp's thing was he gained a ton of weight um and cocaine but um <laughs> but but part of Sean Kemp's thing was he couldn't he had no idea how to how to evolve and how to adjust his game um, once his athleticism started to wane, he just he he didn't have a second thing. He didn't have another gear. He didn't have a, a you know a, a curveball yeah. or whatever to go to. I love guys that figure out how to be competitive, competent, quality NBA players in their mid to late thirties when they have to when they have to evolve when they have to phase into to a different uh, type of player in their career. And that's what Vince Carter did. I mean, almost, I mean, you could make a case that he did it as well as any other former star that we, maybe that we've ever seen. I mean, Dirk did it really well too, but, but even up until the last year, Dirk was still like, I'm the starter, so I'm going to start. And Vince, even a little bit less, but now part of that was Vince wasn't playing with the same team for 20 years and, and such, but, yeah, but there was a, I don't know, he, he, I think he is one of the the great standards for how you can you can stay in the league and stay um as a a quality competent good basketball player while evolving and changing your game and growing uh, as you age.
1: Well, and he just he you know kind of going back to what we were saying, he proved that he can still do these things and be I mean, there's a lot of people that spoke very highly of how he was in the locker room too mm-hmm. which yeah. if you watched him in his early years in Toronto that would if you were told me you know I, I guess if you told any Toronto fan back in the early late 90s hey this guy's gonna end up being a great leader and a mm-hmm. great you know yeah. veteran they'd be like you're an idiot like he's gonna be out of the league in five years not sure like, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. and so that 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 alone, too, was really good for him because it kind of re, reframed his legacy in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's doing podcasts with The Ringer. He's doing, you know, video and uh, some broadcasting stuff. I mean, he's setting himself up to be in this business for a long time, which is great because I think he's going to be great at whatever he does next. Um, it's just it's, you know, like even when he was with the Mavs, like he didn't really he was kind of the perfect, you know, six man in a way because mm-hmm. not only yeah. was he beloved by the veterans he was he was great for our young kids and he would come in and hit some big shots and like that's not how he was when he was at toronto and orlando but you know he kind of started doing that with phoenix mm-hmm. and it's just and it was just it was really cool to see him kind of take that role because again i don't think anybody would have guessed that he would be in that role totally you know yeah. in the beginning of his career no 100 percent.
0: i love that and i do you're right. when the map signed him, I was like, it wasn't always angry, but I was like, oh, really?
1: you it's hated good. it you 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 didn't you were not confident because yeah. I because you because you dragged me for it and <laughs> listen, I am wrong a lot about stuff and you will you know and that's and you were right a lot more than I am but and I'm I'm not saying that I was right because I knew better I was right because I wanted to be right you know (laughs) it's like (laughs) but like that was that was one area where like I was like yes please like I know he's not going to be what we need exactly but hopefully it'll be like kind of what we did with Phoenix and then you were just like there's no way this guy you know he's and and I think he proved that he was a different person oh my god for sure for sure and and like to the point where, because I remember whenever he wasn't coming back, and you were like devastated, and I was like, "Really?" Like, oh, I mean, yeah, it almost, yeah. it almost angered me in a way. But, like, <laughs> but I yeah, was so, so mad when he.
0: That was a real bummer when he went to Memphis after after three years here. Yeah, and you're totally right because that was I would never have thought that I would I would feel that way about him. He really genuinely he he was one of my favorite Mavs um, of all time. He's one of my favorite Mavs of all time, and it was yeah, it was because of all these things that we're talking about. Um, you know, with his you know evolving game and the way that he, he accepted his role here and the stuff that he – but he was also still so much fun to watch. I mean, he had a few games where – a few times where he just took off and ripped it and just destroyed somebody, and that was pretty great. But also, you talk about, like, a, just an incredible athlete. Um, I – to me, he's one of those guys that falls into the category that I've talked about previously – of, I may have said this when we did our favorite players of the, of the year at the beginning of the season, but we had even, we had two, two listeners then. So, um, I love, uh, there, there's, there's guys that you, there's guys that you don't appreciate what they do until you're watching them 82 times a year until they're on your team and you're seeing them every night. You don't appreciate what they do. And there's other guys that that go into the, you know, the other side of that where you're like, oh, that's a pretty good player. And then you watch him for 82 games. You're like, oh no, he sucks. This is terrible. It's, it's miserable um, to watch him. To me, like the, the, that spectrum for me as a maps fan is Sean Marion on one extreme. Cause I was not enthused about the Sean Marion move at all. And then you watch him play every night and you're like, oh no, no, no. This guy's awesome. I totally get what he brings to the table. And the 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 end of that spectrum is is Chris Kamen. Because I was pretty pumped when we signed Chris Kamen. And then 10 games in, I was like, no, this is awful. I hate this guy. He's so bad. It's just, you don't notice, you don't really see it until you're seeing it every night. But Carter is mm-hmm. one of those guys. I, I Once you see him play on your team every night and you're watching um, the ins and outs of what he brings to the table... Um, and, and how he is on the court and his demeanor and all this sort of, and the, the leadership qualities and all that stuff, you really appreciate more, um, what he was capable of doing. Also probably number one on my list of all time of guy, this is such a weird list, but guys that I want to watch when there's a dead ball and he has the ball because he always did these incredible things with the ball, whether it was like a, a dunk after the whistle or when he was here with the Mavs had this just incredible athleticism he would shoot corner threes with his left hand um just just one-handed three-pointers from the wing uh, or from the corner um when when it was a dead ball and i would bet you he made 60 or 70 percent of them it was like dead eye accuracy left-handed almost floater from from 23 feet and it was kind of which i mean look it says a lot about how bad the mavs were during that (laughs) era that that was one of the most exciting things that could happen during uh during a game but it was really cool he was always somebody like oh he's got the ball what's he gonna do something weird's about that (laughs) because he's just such a ridiculous athlete
1: yeah and and honestly into speaking of the mavs he has one of the like top five playoff oh, moments for the Mavs, too. Yeah. You know, it's so like he's he is instilled in our hearts at this point, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. yeah, really sad day. Like, I. I was hoping that because of the way this ended, that he would say I'm coming back for another year and I'm going to go play for Milwaukee mm-hmm. or you know or someplace. But obviously, that's and I guess he could still do that. He he even said like on he on his podcast like you know I am done playing professional basketball you know for now and and so like he kind of <laughs> left it open a little bit, but. I think that I think that he knows that his next step is to go into the into the booth. So
0: Yeah, he's he's really he's called some summer league games and I think he's really good at it. I think he'll be great on the call. Maybe he can replace Chris Weber or something. That'd be oh, awesome. Please. So yeah. Um <coughs> Yeah, he's he's really well spoken. He's got a good he understands the game obviously very well. So I think that would be great if he could transition pretty quickly into into that role, um, but yeah, to just to finish that up, I do. There were times I think both of us for the last few years have been a little frustrated that he, you know, he signed with Memphis then he signed with Sacramento, then he stayed with Atlanta for two years. And I think we both wanted him to like, hey, dude, go. You could you could help the Warriors. Like, you could go play for one of these teams and get a ring. Um, I kind of respect the, I'm not going to chase a ring thing, and just the idea of like. I respect this both ways, so maybe I'm just really playing both sides of it, but, like, I really respect that J.J. Barea this last year with the Mavs, and there are other guys like him, but he's just top of mind because I'm a Mavs fan, sorry. Um, I really respect that Barea has been around, has been, a, you know, an incredible professional, even though he's not playing a lot of nights um, mm-hmm. and that he's been able to do that. But I also know that it kills him that he's not playing a lot and that he yeah. can't get out there and – or he's not getting the opportunity to get out there and, and do it. And there's something about I, – I kind of respect Vince Carter saying – I'd rather play 20 minutes a night for the Kings than play sometimes for the Warriors, if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
1: So I kind of appreciate that too. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just, I, th- I think us wanting him to go to a championship contender was more of us just <laughs> being selfish for ourselves because the thing is too, is that if he ended up winning a title, let's say this year for the bucks and only averaged, Five points a game and ten minutes a game. I like. I think just from what we know of him, that wouldn't really satisfy him from uh-huh. a ring standpoint. And so, totally. I think he knows that he missed his chance with with New Jersey, and that that was just the way it is. And then he's just going to play play it out the way he wants to play it out. Now, for sure,
0: so. for sure. Yep. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little choked up. I guess thinking about Vince Carter. I didn't see that coming. Um, not really. I just choked. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, we. I. I kind of. I'm kind of with you. I wonder if maybe he'll the middle of next season if he's still in shape and he's like, uh, I've had a whole year off. Maybe, maybe I want to come back and do something. Um, I'd be happy to have him come back and and, and
1: try. This to would be the perfect horse. situation for him now. It's like if oh, this for was sure. like for sure. this, if this was next year, then he could just be like, Oh, you know what? Hey, I'll come play for the for the Bucks. Oh, like, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll see more of Vince Carter. But if we don't, what what a great career that dude had. What a great way to. I mean, just a, just truly, a genu- genuinely, I mean this, like the a class act who figured out how to be a class act and um, I think evolved as a person and as a player through the course of his career a lot. And A, a really good example for, for how you can do that and how you can age well as a player, as a star player especially. Yeah. Hey, let's save the uh, that Top 50 Prospects for another episode and we can do a full segment. Last thing I'm going to drop here is some Knicks chicanery. Um Yay, it's my favorite. Yeah, you know we like to talk about the Knicks when it's not James Dolan being racist. Um, They cut Alonzo Trier so that they could sign Theo Pinson. I found this interesting because uh, Alonzo Trier actually has had a pretty good two-year run with them from a statistical standpoint. Um, And I know there are Knicks fans who really like to trumpet uh, Alonzo Trier's run that he's had there. Now his rookie season was, was much better than, than his, uh, his second year. Alonzo sure is one of my least favorite prospects I've ever quote unquote covered, uh, whatever covered means for, for me in the draft. I, I can't stand the type of player that he is whatsoever. Um, and then he got into the Knicks last year and, and, you know, had some success, but still was doing all the things that I was like, but that's why he's not going to be in the league for very long um and now he's he's out so we'll see uh if he gets picked up somewhere but it is pretty funny to me that the knicks sort of nurtured him and found a guy who potentially could be you know a part of their rotation long term and then ruined it because they're the knicks Mm -hmm. so now they have theo penson instead um congratulations uh to that i don't know where if Truers picked up anywhere yet but I'm sure no, he'll get he another hasn't. shot, but apparently
1: I, the Cavs were interested on him, and it makes zero sense why he would want to go there. From the Knicks to the Cavs, but yeah, Trier is my least favorite type of player, um, especially coming
0: out of college. It's a, a a ball dominant guy who thinks that he's much better than he is. Because um, look, he's got size, he's got value, he can score, he can get you a bucket. Like that guy, that's a guy that could be very valuable to a team coming off the bench if he'll play his role correctly. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but he refused to do so. So,
0: you know, that's, that's it's going to take the right team
1: and the right coach. It's going to take teams to like yeah. come in there and be like, look, dude, like we don't care. Like you don't do that here. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. And it's, you know, but that's typically Trier's not the kind of guy that would sign with a team that would let him yeah. do that. So,
0: yeah. If I was his agent, I would be, I'd be calling San Antonio and just being like, yeah. please, please, please give this guy a chance. Cause that, that, that's about one of the few places I think where he could maybe maybe figure out how to do because otherwise he's going to be the type of guy who goes to a crappy team averages 14 points a game or something and then ends up in Europe in two years and we're gonna be like man he actually put up some stats but it's because he's not a good basketball player he's just good at occasionally getting a bucket is what it amounts to getting getting empty calorie buckets um yeah totally you know that's what he was good at I I just my least favorite kind of players um He's gone. Other Knicks stuff, they're, we haven't talked yet about their, their coaching search. The names that have been associated with the Knicks so far are Jason Kidd,
1: Mike Brown, <laughs> Tom Thibodeau. It's just, it could, I, you know. The worst <laughs> na- combination of names you could possibly say. Like, just go in there and say, we want... Usai, you know whatever or whoever like this mm-hmm. somebody that's not the same old you know former player yeah you know that's not a good coach like good gracious it's, like it's amazing um if you would have said
0: if we we should have done this we, we we should have done a when they when they fired uh when 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 they fired uh uh, uh what's his Fisdale, excuse me um and brought in not former NBA player Mike Miller to be their coach. We should have just set up a bingo board of names that will be associated with with the Knicks head coaching search because that's probably the first three that I would list <laughs> if, if, I yeah. just, if I was playing the odds. like, Of course they're going to interview Mike Brown. Of course they're going to interview Jason Kidd. Of course they're going to interview Tom Thibodeau. Now, they have also apparently interviewed uh, Jamal Mosley, who's the defensive, essentially the defensive coordinator for the Mavs, and uh, and Ima Yudoka. Um, who came from that that pops San Antonio coaching tree? But is currently is in Philly, um, so it's it's not just um, rehash names that that we listed. So they have interviewed some other guys as well, and maybe they'll give one of those 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 guys an opportunity. And look, maybe they'll hire Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd will turn out to be a good coach. I I have real doubts about that, but maybe who you know who, who knows. But it's just funny when. <laughs> Part of the the reason for for firing Fizdale when they did was like we're going to get a jump on this. It's same with the Nick, the Nets with with Kenny Atkinson, and then, and then they're just like obviously our first call is Jason Kidd. And you're just like really, really what what happened in both Brooklyn and especially in Milwaukee that leads you to believe that Jason Kidd would be good at this? It's just it's yeah tom thibodeau is like the maybe the last person i would hire if i was if i was running a modern nba team maybe the last like this is a head coach that i would hire honestly because he him and mark jackson you know it's just dudes who do not understand the modern nba whatsoever i think I, i i don't know i don't understand it at all but it's the knicks man it's the knicks What are you going to do? Yeah,
1: They're never going to not be the Knicks until Dolan's there, not there. So look,
0: I say this as somebody who, uh, I grew up a a Raiders fan for some reason and I love the Oakland slash LA Raiders now Las Vegas Raiders. And, uh, there was a certain point at which I had to break myself of it. And I just, I said as long, as long as Al Davis is the owner, this team can't figure it out. It's impossible when you have that guy at the head of the organization and that's the same as it is with the Knicks. As long as James Dolan is the owner, it's not going to get better. Maybe you'll luck into a decent season every once in a while, but like they did with those those Carmelo teams once or twice. But but nine times out of ten, 80% of the time anyway, you are going to underachieve rather than overachieve because you have an idiot as an owner and somebody who doesn't set the standard from the top. So what are you going to do? Um, yeah. Classic. Uh, <laughs> I always love talking about Knicks with you because uh, it's a... <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a good bit here. Um, so like, let's get out of here early for the first time ever in the history of this show. Oh, no, I'm wrong. We're over an hour. So it is what it is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but under an hour five. So that's good. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for uh, coming back after a week off. We will be back next week. I think the next few weeks, I haven't talked to you about this, Tobin. We need to do our, our picks for, uh, our awards for the year, essentially, because I kind of don't think this next 8 games is really going to matter much at all for for MVP and first team all NBA defense and that kind of thing. Um so we need to do that and I think we need to come up with some kind of some kind of game to like since we had to scrap all of our 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 prop bets and our over under picks from the beginning of the year and such. Um I think we need to come up with some kind of some kind of competition between the two of us for for the restart and the, the games and the playoffs and stuff like that. So maybe we'll do that in an episode as well. Um, And then we'll just keep covering whatever comes up over the course of the next few weeks, as we hope and pray that uh, we're able to safely get to uh, NBA in, in Disney world uh, at the end of the month. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. If you like what you heard, number one, thank you so much. Number two, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to uh, listen to this little show. Does a whole lot to help us gain some footing in this very crowded market. Number three, leave us a five-star rating and five-star review on iTunes. In that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. we would like to read those out at the end of the show. We greatly appreciate your time. We'll be back next week. And still, until then stay hard, Rodney Rogers.
1: He had it. Oh my God.